I love it when a plane comes together, you know what I mean? So in case you didn't notice, our new series is titled The A-Team. We are going to take a look over the next few weeks at teamwork and examples of good teamwork inside of Scripture. Uh, There will be a brief, tiny break in the middle on the 31st when Jerick and I will be uh, at the beach on vacation. So uh, Jake Wilburn will be preaching that day, and he's going to take a small break from the series uh, to bring his own word, and so we're excited about that as well. But outside, like it's kind of like a, a hamburger. That'll be the meat and the buns are the series. I don't know why I said that or went with that analogy. Uh, I'm kind of wishing I wouldn't have done it. But we are looking at teamwork, and I'm excited about this series. I love teamwork series because it just applies to so many areas of our life, whether that be relationships, marriage, friendships, uh, uh, work relationships, right? Uh, if you're in a band, uh, it applies there. It literally applies uh, to just so many things. Anytime there's any interconnected relationship in our life, teamwork applies. And so we're looking at how we can be uh, good teammates um, and, and how we can work together to uh, just do big things for the kingdom of God. Teamwork is a part of Christian living. There's no way around it. It was designed to be that way, to, in-law, to unlock our greatest impact on the kingdom, we have to rely on other people. I know that I am not as effective without a strong team around me. Uh, Crosspoint happens because of the leadership team that we have in place and all of the hard work that people put into it. And that includes those of you who come and attend and tithe and serve and work and just do all those things. Like it is a giant team. It really becomes a team and the strongest teams become family. And I feel like that's what we have here, which is why I love this place so much. But I can tell you that I am reliant on others to accomplish any task that God places before me. There is rarely anything that I do that is a solo project. No one walks a successful journey alone and we are not supposed to either. I need you. Uh, I don't know if you guys know that, but I'll tell you that. I'm willing to tell you that. I need you, and hopefully you can see in your life how you might also need me or, or someone, right? Maybe it's not me, but you need someone. So for the next few weeks, like I said, with the small break in the middle uh, while I'll be on vacation, we're going to talk about key elements of teamwork. And today we talk about the art of self-reflection. And in order to do that, we look at Moses and Aaron in the art of self-reflection. And so uh, we're going to be in Exodus 6.28 to about 7.6. We'll kind of be in that range as we discuss the art of self-reflection today. So just to give you a little background leading up to uh, Exodus chapter 6, where we're going to be, starting in Exodus chapter 3, God calls out to Moses in the form of the burning bush. You've probably heard that story before. And God speaks to Moses, and basically he tells Moses, hey, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses tells God from the start, I am not qualified, and no one will listen to me. So starting in Exodus 4, God starts showing Moses signs to show the people. It's where he says, hey, put your hand in your cloak and pull it out. And he has leprosy on his hand. And I'm sure he freaked out a little bit. Like, oh, it wasn't planning for this. And then God said, put it back in your pocket. So he puts it back in his pocket. He pulls it back out. No leprosy, right? And so it's just one of the many signs that he wants them to show the Israelites and Pharaoh so that they will believe that he is from God. But Moses again says that he isn't qualified. And in verse 10 of chapter four, he is more specific. It says that Moses said to the Lord, 
Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. God sends Aaron after this to meet Moses in the wilderness, Aaron being his biological brother uh, that Moses didn't have a huge knowledge of, because if you remember, he got put in the basket and shipped on down the river, and Pharaoh's daughter found him, and then he was raised in Pharaoh's household, and that's part of the reason he also feels like the Israelites won't listen to him, because he grew up in their captor's household, right? And so not only is he not eloquent of speech, not only is he slow of tongue, but he also is kind of part of the enemy's family. And so he worries about being listened to. And so God sends Aaron, who is an Israelite like Moses, and happens to be Moses's brother to kind of be his mouthpiece and to speak for him. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no way. And then he makes life way harder on the Israelites. If you remember this story, he says, you still have to build the same amount of bricks, but this time I'm not going to give you all of the supplies I gave you before. And your quota is not going to lessen and life's going to get hard. And so the Israelites become angry with Moses and they become angry with Aaron. And they say, why did you do this? You just came to bring hardship upon us, making it even more difficult for Moses to reach uh, these people. And so beginning again in chapter six, we're getting closer to where we're going to start. The people are still angry. They don't want to listen to Moses. God calls Moses to go to Pharaoh once again. And again, Moses responds with his area of weakness. In Exodus six, verse 12, it says, but Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? Now, jumping ahead to verses 28 through 30 in chapter 6, God uh, renews his call to Moses, and Moses again responds with weakness. This is what it tells us starting in verse 28. Now, when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? All right. Well, as you may know, Aaron continues on Moses' journey with him. A lot of times is his mouthpiece speaks before Pharaoh while uh, Moses speaks from God himself. So here's what we realize from this story. The first thing I want us to all kind of be aware of is this, that good teamwork begins with the self-realization of weaknesses. Good teamwork begins with the self-realization of weaknesses. Sometimes the weakness is real. Sometimes the weakness is like Moses caused by a lack of confidence. However, weakness is weakness all the same. And if we want to be a good teammate and if we want to be a good uh, friend or anything else, we have to be aware of the areas that are weaknesses for us. The best teams are filled with people who are able to be honest about the areas in which they struggle. And the areas that are a strength. And they can balance that out for one another, the yin to each other's yang, so to speak, right? So there are things that I'm better at than you. There are things that you're better at than me. I'll take the lead on the areas that are strengths. You take the lead on the areas that are strengths for you. And together, we will come up with a successful end. Successful end. Now, and having the information and knowing the areas that are weakness and in knowing the areas that are strength, we're able to pick up that slack uh, for one another. And as the saying goes, a rising tide lifts all boats. 
Moses had the ear of God, but Aaron had the ear of the people. And together with the help of God, they were able to bring about the deliverance of the Israelites. It wasn't easy. It wasn't something that went off without a hitch. There were some bumps in the road, of course, but they were able to work together in order to bring about the outcome with God that God had wanted for his people. Which brings me to my next point, that a weakness is only a weakness or only remains a weakness if we refuse to acknowledge its existence. Another part of being a good teammate is removing jealousy and pride from the equation. Now, I don't know how many of you maybe struggle with this. Uh, I always like to use myself as an example, and this will shock you, but once again, I struggle to admit weakness. Here's another weakness. I struggle to admit when I can't do something, uh, when I am incapable or untrained or uneducated or unexperienced, I struggle to admit that because, uh, well, I'm prideful and at times you might even say stupid. (laughs) I don't know another way to really say that, but my own pride, my own just selfishness at times kind of gets in the way of good things taking place because I want to take the reins and I want to do it and I want to control the situation. And I don't know if you've ever been there yourself, but uh, we need to, as good teammates, admit to our weaknesses because only then can we begin to overcome them, Uh, not only through the help of others, but only then can we start to address those areas of weaknesses and actually try to turn them into strengths. Okay, part of being that good teammate, again, is removing the jealousy or pride from the equation and in doing so, accepting other strength, especially in your area of weakness. Okay, let's look at Exodus 7.1. It said, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Now, this is welcome news to Moses. He's excited for the help because he has this lack of confidence. He has this struggle with speech. And uh, he should be excited, especially after multiple expressions of inadequacy to have the help. Uh, he should be pretty pumped about that. But we've all been around people who've expressed similar sentiments, who express weakness, who express the inability to do something uh, and the inability to do something. And then when you offer to help, what do they do? Oh, it's okay. I've got it. Right? It's okay. I've got it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll do it. Uh, and you're like, you've literally been complaining about this for months or weeks or days or hours, and I'm telling you I'll help, and now you don't want my help. It would not have shocked me at all to see Moses respond in that way, to literally tell God over and over again, I'm inadequate. I can't do it. Why would they listen to me? I I have this issue. And then for God to say, okay, well, I'm going to send Moses along to help you. And Moses just be like, well, I'll just do it, right? We all have been in situations where that takes place, and it is uh, super frustrating. They respond almost as if they are offended by your offer for help. Well, good teams are willing to accept help, and if someone offers to help you, you shouldn't uh, feel like a burden, and I want to be very clear about that. If someone offers to help you, you should not feel like a burden. You are not a burden. People would not offer to help you unless they wanted to help. And if they falsely, if they are just being nice, right? Because yes, that happens. If they're just being nice and they're offering help just to be nice with the expectation that in the end, you'll tell them, oh, don't worry about it. I've got it. Guess what? Next time they'll learn not to offer help. 
Next time they'll learn not to say, do you need help? Okay, if they didn't actually want to help you, that'll be the last time they offer to help you. But if someone offers to help you, accept the help. Accept the help. That's part of being a good teammate on both sides of things, right? It is important for us to rely on others to share the burden. It's the only way at times that in our Christian walk, when God calls us to various tasks, that we can end up finding ourselves to be a success is when we accept the help of others. Because the flip side of that is trying to handle everything on your own, wearing the weight of the burden all on your own, and crumbling underneath the pressure. And then what happens? Now not only are you not there to accomplish the task, no one's there to accomplish the task. Two is better than one, three is better than two, four is better than three, I can keep doing this math all day long, even though I couldn't correctly add up the years of how old the van was. It's 24, not 22. Thanks, Laura. She pointed out I teach math to kids. So, you know, education. Um, I say that half jokingly. Yeah, exactly, Laura. See, she's being a good teammate. She's being supportive. She's picking up the slack where I had screwed things up. But It's not your responsibility to regulate someone else, okay? That is also part of teamwork. It is not your responsibility to regulate someone else. It's not your responsibility to necessarily make someone's life easier. And I'm talking specifically about when someone offers to help you, okay? I want to be clear about that. You do have a responsibility as a teammate to share the burden, to try to ease others' load, to maybe spread things out more evenly so that the distribution of responsibility isn't so crazy. But if someone offers you, offers you help, it is not your responsibility to regulate their time, their effort, their willingness to help. I hope that makes sense. Lastly, I have one final point I want to leave you with. Lack of confidence or ability is not an excuse for inaction when God is calling you to move. Lack of confidence or ability is not an excuse to not do what God is calling you to do. So often God is calling us to move in our lives, to do things that are outside of our comfort zones, to do things that we maybe couldn't accomplish without his help, which I often think is part of his design. It tests the strength of our relationship with him. It tests the faith that we have in him. It tests our ability to move when called. And just because we aren't necessarily confident in the job that we will do, just because we feel like maybe we have strengths in other areas and not the area he's calling us to go, does not mean that we can tell God, I won't do it. I won't do it. No, we've talked about how it's perfectly okay to in our last series, to have real questions, real conversations with God. It's an example that we see here in Moses today, where Moses is literally asking God, how do you expect them to listen to me? How do you expect them to follow me? How do you expect them to change their minds when I'm the messenger, when I'm the tool that you're choosing to use? And he sees all these areas of weakness where he just doesn't quite measure up, but he forgets the one thing that God tells him very early on, which is Moses, I am God. When the Israelites ask who I am, you tell them that I am the I am. I am God. See, when God calls, when God moves, God is offering to partner with you. 
I want you to hear that. I want you to really understand that. When God is calling you, moving you towards a direction in your life, he is not just saying, go do the work by yourself. He is saying, I am ready and willing to partner with you. I want to work with you. I want to work through you. I want you to be my teammate in this. I want you to be my partner in this. And dare I say, success is guaranteed. Success is guaranteed when God is on your side. You know, about two months ago when we had a leadership meeting, we talked about the need for transportation to camp and we had no idea how we were going to do it outside of taking multiple vehicles because renting a van from Enterprise for a week is about two grand right now. Uh, That didn't make sense. And taking six different vehicles down to camp didn't make a whole lot of sense because how can, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but everybody that works at this church or volunteers at this church is what I like to always tell people, very, very bivocational. It's not a bad thing. It's just the reality of our life. Everybody that has a job here at Crosspoint has another job that actually pays their bills. It's just how it is. And so having to rely on people to get us all the way down to camp, which yes, it's only two hours away, and then oh, make sure that everybody's available to be ready two hours, you know, to bring us two hours back and be able to drive back and forth and, and do all that. It didn't make a whole lot of logical sense. And so I'll be honest with you, having a van at this church has been a dream of mine. I plan to use it in various ways, but one of such ways I want to use it is for transportation for events like youth camp. And so we said, hey, this is a need. This is something that we've got to do. And we were looking at raising money for this van. And at one point we had calculated, I want you to hear this. We had calculated that reasonably we might be able to raise the funds for a van in two years. This was two months ago. That reasonably... Without the movement of God, which we made room for, I want to be clear on that, that just on our own, we could reasonably expect to maybe raise funds for a van that wouldn't be like Fred Flintstone and have all the kids peddling with us in two years. And two months later, it sits out in front of our building. It passed inspection. It has been immaculately taken care of. It has low mileage. It needs very little, at least right now at this moment. But I truly felt like God was calling us to this moment, to this purchase. And with that calling, there was an offering, an offer, not an offering, but an offer from God to partner with us. And through the generosity of people here and through the movement of God, we had a perfect, beautiful vehicle placed right in front of us. It meets every single one of our needs. That was two months ago. Credit to Ali O'Horn for having the faith of saying like, hey, God's going to do big things and we're going to have a van. And the rest of us being like, okay, Ali. Sure. She taught us something. God taught us something. But when God offers to partner with you, when God is moving you, when God is telling you to do something, understand that he is working towards the success of that task, whatever it may be, with you. And it will come in his timing. We got a van when we really, truly needed a van. Praise God. Praise God. When God calls, you may not be comfortable. You may not be confident. You may not want to. I've been there. 
I've been there. When God said, hey, you're going to be a pastor, I thought you are supposed to be God and know things and know that this is a very bad idea. But God offered to partner in my success. And over time, he's taught me and changed me and molded me. And sometimes by fire, I've learned a lot by making stupid mistakes. Ask the staff of our church. I always tell people, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. But God, but God. And in this moment, in this moment, that's what God was saying to Moses. Moses kept saying, I'm not able. And so God offered Aaron really as a crutch for Moses, really as a support for Moses, as a teammate for Moses, as a helper, so that he would feel more confident. But I'll be honest with you. Aaron wasn't ever needed because God was always there. God was always there. And in order to overcome weakness, we have to be aware of weakness. We have to admit weakness. We can't be afraid of weakness. We have to value other strengths. We have to value other people. We have to be okay with being helped. We have to accept help. We have to offer help. We have to not worry about any burden that may be placed on someone else who offers to help us. Teamwork makes the dream work. I just came up with that just now. No one's, no one's ever said it before. Again, you may not be comfortable. You may not be confident. You may not want to, but I can tell you from personal experience that if God rings the proverbial phone, it won't stop ringing until you pick up. It may ring louder He may call on a different phone. He may send a telegram. He may blind you in the middle of the road as you're traveling to persecute Christians. See Paul in scripture. But the phone does not stop ringing. So I leave you with this. What is God calling you to do today? Not what is God calling someone else to do. What is God calling you personally to do today? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to partner with him? Are you willing to accept that even though you may not be confident, even though you may not be comfortable, even though you may not want to, that God has a beautiful, wonderful plan for you that he wants you to find success in? What is God calling you to do today? As the band comes up, starts to play, we're going to pray here in just a moment, but I want you to really try to reflect on that as we finish worship today. What is God calling me to do today? It's going to require you to earnestly ask him the question, and then it's going to require you to shut up and listen. It's going to require you to shut up and listen. Some of you already know. Some of you, God's been calling. The phone has been ringing for a really long time, and you just haven't been picking up because you're not comfortable, you're not confident, you don't want to. Well, I can tell you, you can run as far away as you want. You can try to make yourself undesirable as you want, but the phone will not stop ringing. So today, my challenge to you is pick it up. Pick it up. What is God calling you to do today? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message. Hopefully, Father, it was impactful for everyone as it was impactful for me as well. God, I know that personally sometimes I just take too much on all by myself. I'm not confident enough to express that I have weaknesses. And I would pray that you take that pride away from me. And if that anybody else struggles with that, that you would remove it from them. Teamwork really does make the dream work. It's a corny saying. It's been around for 
as long as I know, but uh, it's just absolutely correct. We need one another to live this life. We need the support of one another. We need the love of one another. We need the kindness of one another. God, I want to be a great team here at Crosspoint. I want to be a team that mimics a family. I want to be a team that supports one another, that builds one another up, that is willing to step up when a weakness is announced if it's an area of strength. God, I want to pray for those who are holding back from you right now, who have been called to a task and aren't doing it because they just, for whatever reason, feel like they're not able. God, I pray that you tear down that wall, that you break it down, that you move them, that you help them to be part of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's the goal, is to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to make a difference in our community for the God that we serve, to love the world around us and to love you with all that we've got. Lord, I pray for each and every person that is here today. I pray blessings upon them. I pray that if there is something that you are wanting to reveal to them, that it becomes so apparent that they cannot ignore it today. We thank you for who you are, how you love us, how you provide for us, for your wonderful son, Jesus. We ask all these things in his powerful name. Amen. Stand with us and worship now. If you so desire, uh, I would love to pray with you. Uh, Joy, can I have you stand over here? Would you mind to pray? Joy uh, Weaver will be over here to pray with anybody who uh, would like to pray with her. Uh, Chase, can I have you stand in the back? Chase Ullhorn will be right back there uh, to pray with anybody who would like to pray with him. Um, I'm going to go stand over here off to the right. If God is moving you today, after especially what we just heard, especially what we just saw, don't stand still. Don't stand still. Come pray with somebody. Move. Do what it is that God is calling you to do, even if you don't understand. I promise you that he will make things clear for you. Okay. Otherwise, stand right now, worship, reflect, think about what is it that God is calling to you to do today.